Good morning, and welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to respond to worship. We give thanks to God for who he is and how he has created us and redeemed us in Christ, and it's a chance for us to gather together as his people. And so welcome to all of us who are joining in person and also those who are online. We give thanks that we can respond together. Uh, just we begin, just a few announcements. Uh, I want to remind you, <clears throat> this front cover that you'll see, this, this artwork is from the, our Lent art show that's in the community space. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to see it, uh, I'd love for you to have that chance. And the good news is next Sunday, the 27th, we're going to have uh, an extended fellowship time over in the Rockwell office and community space following the service like we did at the end of February. So. Uh, hopefully you can come after the service next week. There'll be bagels and coffee there and a chance to even to see the artwork and spend time uh, together. So that's next, uh, next Sunday. Um, there is hospitality today, uh, right around the corner here by the parking lot. There'll be coffee and, and some snacks there um, after the service. Um, a couple other things to mention is that uh, the elders are asking us as a congregation to, to spend the Wednesdays of March to pray for our church. And so this Wednesday is coming up. We are asking to, for you all to pray for our property needs, that give thanks for how God's provided and ask for God to continue to provide space for us to gather and worship and to minister to the neighborhood. So I encourage you to do that. And then the other thing to mention is that on April 3rd, uh, so not next Sunday, but two Sundays from today, April 3rd, this time of our worship service is changing from 9.30 to 9. So... 9 o'clock on April 3rd is when the service will be. We'll remind you again of that, but just you know, make a note that in a couple weeks the, the service time will be different. At this time, I'm going to dismiss the kids. There is uh, a preschool class, and there's children's worship. There's also a junior high class. And just as a note, um, fifth graders are invited and welcome to go to the junior high class as well. And that's all downstairs in the uh, classrooms downstairs, and those classes will continue uh, throughout the service. Mark and Alicia um, are going to share a mission update, uh, but they are running a little late, so we'll have them do that later in the service. And so let's take a moment now of quiet as we prepare ourselves to come before God in worship. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 63. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. My soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. My soul clings to O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you.
My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. join together in prayer. Lord, we pause and we acknowledge that you are the one who has called to us. And Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you for this call today that reminds us that we are not on our own. This call that reminds us of your faithfulness and your grace and your work in our lives. This call that not only unites us to you, Lord, but connects us to one another and gathers us now as your people. And Lord, as we come together, we are thankful for our church and it's good and right to ask you to continue to shepherd and guide us as you've done. So we give you thanks for these last 12 plus years of how you've provided for us and specifically provided space for us to meet and gather and worship, to study your word together to minister in your name. And so we ask again, we give you, that you continue to provide. As you've done with the spaces on the Rockwell Street at the office and community space and at Waters School in the past and now here at the Nazarene Church, we, we ask that you continue to provide. 
but we come and ask for a long-term place that we could be, a sense in which this would be our, a, a home, a place for us to worship and gather, a place for us to minister in your name to our neighbors. And so we ask for your provision, Lord. And Lord, we also, as we gather, are mindful that many of us here come with heavy hearts or who are mourning or grieving. We think of those among us who are uh, in sorrow over loneliness and feeling disconnected. We think of those among us who are mourning or grieving brokenness in relationships, a, a longing for things to be different or the struggle of, of shame from the past. And we pray also for those among us who have lost loved ones. And we pray, Lord, that in our, in our mourning that there would be hope, hope of your resurrection in the midst of our sorrow. Lord, we also, as we gather, we are people who are well aware of the events of the world around us and seeing so many images of loss and of death and of violence. And so, Lord, we come to you seeking peace and thinking things to be different. In this violent world, Lord, we can think of the story from Genesis of Cain and Abel. And after Cain kills Abel, Lord, you asked him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Lord, we remember this day that you are the one who sees and hears. And we acknowledge these cries of blood. And we lift our voices and ask as well, will those who mourn be comforted? Will those who use their power for their own purposes or to take others' lives, will they be held accountable? Jesus, may you come and put all your enemies at your feet and may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And may we as your church and your church all over the world give witness to this kingdom, the kingdom that will endure forever. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll continue our worship time through a time of confession and assurance. You'll see in your order that we'll do this together uh, through uh, prayer and then also song. And then we'll have time of personal confession following our communal time. So I invite you to join together in this confessional prayer. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O oh Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Jesus, lover of my soul, lend me to thy bosom. Still is high. Find me. 
you to take a moment of quiet to bring your personal confessions and needs to God. Lord, we thank you that you hear us when we pray. And we thank you for the promise in Christ that your grace is sufficient. Your grace is greater than our sin. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me that we can say these words of assurance together to remind us of God's mercy to us in Christ. It comes from Psalm 13. I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, the Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 9. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make, you, make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run, shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, the Gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. There 
There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. morning. morning. It's good to be here with you all to look at God's word. Thank you, Kayla, for reading the word for us. In the season of Lent, we've been looking at Ephesians 4 and considering our call that we have received in Christ. And many of the images that we've encountered is this call to walk, this call that we are strangers in a foreign world. And what does it mean to live in this world? And part of this call is to put off our old selves and to put on our new selves. And so our text today, we're, we're going to look a little bit more at that. So if you want to follow with me in our order here, Ephesians 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard from him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let me pray. Gracious God, we ask that you would draw near to us by your spirit now that you would come and speak to us through your word, that you would meet us wherever we might find ourselves this morning, and that you would comfort us in Christ. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, Dante's um, Divine Comedy, which is a really epic poem of Dante envisioning himself traveling to the depths of hell and to the heights of heaven, kind of giving a picture of a spiritual walk of a believer. Dante uses some pretty graphic images, especially when he describes hell, the inferno, and that's probably what comes to mind when uh, we think of Dante and his poem. 
but he actually opens his poem with these lines that I'd like to read for us. It opens like this. Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. I cannot well repeat how I entered there, so full was I of slumber at the moment in which I had abandoned the true way. I love these opening lines from Dante's poem because before he goes on his journey, he realizes that he's been asleep. He realizes that he is woken up and he finds himself in a strange place that he does not recognize anymore. And I think Dante hints at a deep reality for us as human beings. To be human means to live our lives in a series of journeys. We do live that big journey from, from birth to death, but in between there's all sorts of smaller trips that we're taking, that we're experiencing, childhood to adulthood, schooling to a vocation, singleness to marriage to widowhood, moving from one place to another place, going from some friendships and old friendships to forming new friendships. And yet along the way, we find ourselves in the middle of life. Sometimes we don't know how we got there. Sometimes we wake up and we, we look at our current circumstances and our relationships and where we are vocationally and how we are connected to those around us or not connected to those around us. And we long for something more. We see that our dreams haven't quite been accomplished our desires haven't quite been met. Dante speaks to this reality here. Oftentimes we go through life sleepwalking. We're trying to go from one goal to the next goal to the next goal, and yet we lose sight of the journey. Sometimes we experience pains in our lives, and we, rather than encountering them, we feel the numbness. And sometimes it's just too hard to be real about who we are and to be honest with ourselves and our current circumstances. Paul here in Ephesians invites us to wake up. He, he calls us and draws us back to this call that we have received a new identity in Christ. Wake up and see the world the way that Christ sees the world, the way that God sees the world. Paul here picks up on this imagery of walking and journeying. In Ephesians, at the beginning of the chapter, Paul talks about urging us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And Chad spoke about that calling. Well, Paul then goes on a tangent where he's talking about the unity of the church. He loves the unity of the church, so he goes on a tangent. But now he returns back to this calling. What does it mean for us? And I want us this morning for the rest of our time to look at what God is calling us to do. He is calling us to first put off our old selves and to put on our new selves. What does that mean though? 
What does it mean to put off our old self? And that's the first question that I want us to consider together today. Paul says at the beginning of our passage to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. It's kind of a strange way of putting it. What do you mean, Gentiles? How do Gentiles walk? Scripture often speaks of Gentiles and Jews, and there's different ways in which the comparisons are made. Sometimes it's, it's literally talking about the ethnic people of God, the Jewish people, and then everyone else, the Gentiles, the nations. But oftentimes, Paul uses it as a distinction. The, the, the Gentiles are those outside the covenant of God's promises, whereas those inside the promise are, are the Israelites, God's people. But that's not quite what Paul is doing here when he mentions Gentiles. Paul is literally writing to a church full of Gentiles, Christian, folks who have come to know Christ. So what's he saying? What does he mean by to not walk as the Gentiles do? Paul is talking about a way of thinking, a mindset, an attitude through which they used to see and experience the world around them. This mindset, their thought life, their attitude is no longer consistent with their identity in Christ. Their faith now shapes how they look and experience the world around them. This Gentile mindset Paul describes as pretty grim. He uses the words, the futility of the mind, darkened understanding, ignorance. Those are pretty strong descriptions. Paul's not saying, though, that those who are not in Christ aren't, are unintelligent or not smart. Paul is not speaking to intellectual ability here. Rather, Paul is speaking to a spiritual reality that reshapes and informs every aspect of who we are as human beings, our emotional experiences, our intellect, our physical gifts. What is being spoken here is a worldview, a lens through which one sees and experiences the world. In Paul's context, in, the, in this kind of Greco-Roman pagan world, oftentimes the interaction of humanity with the divines was transactional. If I pay attention to this divine and give this much reverence and praise and glory, then I will receive something back from them. And quite frankly, the spiritual world was one of chaos and unknown. Who knows what the gods will do around us? And so the Gentile mindset lived in a place of where power ruled over all, where weakness was not tolerated. One had to look like the gods. Now, we don't live in that Greco-pagan world anymore, but I don't think we're too far from it either. Do we operate as if our relationships are transactional? Is our relationship even with God one that is transactional? Do we operate from a place of scarcity and lack rather than operating out of the abundance and generosity of God? Do we operate from places of power and maintaining power rather than places of humility and submission and grace? Do we operate 
through a lens of suspicion or do we operate through a lens of welcoming? Many of these mindsets, these attitudes are actually underneath the surface though, aren't they? They're often subconscious. We don't really speak about them or talk about them, but they're there, they're operating. It's like we're sleepwalking through life and not really being mindful of the operating system that is informing and shaping our thoughts and our actions. I'm not very good with technology. My wife can attest to that because I had received an iPhone in the mail and I went about trying to download all my stuff manually. And so I did this for about a week ineffectively. <laughs> I lost more data than I thought I, lost, uh, I, I did. I bring that up though because we, we aren't iPhones, we're not computers, but there is a way in which our minds and our thoughts and our attitudes are operating in a, in a sphere that needs God to come in and to reorient and reshape the way that we see the world around us. Sin is ultimately a matter of our attitudes, not just our outward behavior. Paul isn't saying to put off the old self just to put off behaviors. Paul is, is looking deeper than that. He's looking at our affections. He's looking at what motivates us and drives us. Even Jesus speaks about these things. Jesus speaks of this reality when he teaches that what comes out of our mouths reveals our inward thoughts, motivations, and attitudes. As much as we might try to clean up our outward behaviors or create new patterns of habits, they really don't address the issue. If we are to put off the old self, then we must address these thoughts and motivations and attitudes. And what it comes down to at the core of it is that we are disconnected from God. We are alienated from the life with God. Is it possible that maybe we go about living our lives as if God doesn't really exist? We live our lives as if God isn't really powerful. We live our lives as if we are really separated from God. We sleepwalk through life unaware of God's very presence with us. Maybe part of the reason the world looks at Christians and our church with a cynical and hypocritical outlook is because we are actually not living what we proclaim. We are not impacted by this life with God. It does not reorient and shape our thoughts and desires. Rather, we allow the thoughts and the motivations and the attitudes of this world to harden and make our hearts callous. Paul here invites us to consider those hard places within our hearts, those callous places that may actually be protecting something very vulnerable. He invites us to look deeply at those places, to put off the old, to put off this old way of thinking apart from God and to live in light of God's presence. So now what does this mean though about putting on the new Paul says this kind of strangely. He says, but, what is not the way, but that is not the way you learned Christ, 
assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And then he goes on to say, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Paul connects our new self, this new person, to the renewing of our minds, that our mindset, that our outlook on life has been radically changed, and this radical change comes from learning Christ. Now, that's a really strange way of putting it, learning Christ's teachings, learning his message. What do we mean by learning Christ? At the core of what Paul is inviting us to do here is to learn Christ is welcoming him into our life, being reshaped and allowing Christ's presence to dwell deeply within us. Yes, it is to learn from his teaching, but it is even to look deeper how Christ lives in us and through us, how Christ lived in the world. Time and time again, Christ would describe his relationship with the Father as one of dependence, one of trust. I do not seek to do my own will, but the will of the God, the Father, my Father. Christ's outlook of life was one of dependence and trust upon his God. And this shapes every aspect of who he is. He can now come into the world as a servant, not one who's having to use his power to maintain and control. He can come one, he can come and bear with our weaknesses. And he invites us to do the same for others. He welcomes us, and we can welcome others. It goes against our cultural norm to value our real self. We want to be our real self. We want to be authentic and real people, don't we? Maybe this language of putting on something that, well, I don't know about that, that's something that I want to put on. And I want to be, feel like I can be myself, my authentic self. If putting on Jesus sounds like it mutes or makes me less of that, I don't know if I really want to do that. Knowing who we are, though, knowing our authentic selves, comes from knowing who our God is and having our life connected to his life. In Christ, we see someone who is authentically human, someone who invites us to follow him in his humanity and to live and to become our real selves. By putting on Christ, we become who we were always intended to be, beloved sons and daughters who live and move in this world with a sense of freedom and confidence, who, who do not get caught up in the scarcity of this world, but live out of abundance and generosity and grace, who do not live in fear, but live out of love, and in particular, who do not live out of self-sufficiency and live in dependency upon our God. So I want to conclude just with this one thought. As we learn Christ, as we take on Christ, what is, what is God doing in us? Is he just making us better humans just to make us better humans? Is he making us better parents, better spouses, better husbands, just so that we can be better, so he can fix the mess around us? I think that's the way that we would see it. 
C.S. Lewis says this, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. This journey of putting off our old self and living in the life of God and his path and his glory is an invitation to not try to gain God's love, but to allow God to love us. May we be a people who live in the freedom and confidence of that reality this week, this day, and in the coming months. Let me pray. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, we thank you that in Christ you teach us who we are, truly, really. Lord God, I pray that you would draw near to us, each and every one of us, as we go on this journey to put on Christ, to learn more and more of who we are as your children. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Please stand with us and we'll sing together. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be King of heaven
you may be seated. Well, having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. Uh, during this time, we're practicing communion by uh, using uh, the prepackaged elements that were uh, by the walk welcome table as you came in. If you're planning on taking communion, does anyone need one? Uh, Rob can bring one to you. Just raise your hand, and if you, anyone need one. Yeah, there's Rob over here. Well, as Eric, Pastor Eric reminded us of that we are not in a place where we are trying to use our power or to kind of engage in some kind of transaction with God to make a deal or somehow, you know, earn God's attention or favor. God's word reminds us of that. The gospel reminds us of that truth, that we are connected to God by grace, not some kind of transaction. And this table reminds us of that. As we say week after week, Christ invites sinners to come to sit and to eat as part of God's family. And our place at the table is through his broken body and his shed blood. That's our place now and forever. Not what we have done or what we promised to do or some kind of deal that we can make. But from beginning to end, our place at God's table is by his grace. Calling us sinners, his sons and daughters in Christ. This is the good news of this table. And as we participate, it's an invitation for us to set off the mind that we're on our own to build our own life and to take on the, the mind that we're united to Christ and that we belong to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table and this bread and cup, these things that we can hold and see and taste that speak of you and your kingdom. We pray that we find rest in you, Lord. Let us come in our honesty and our shame and our guilt that we might find forgiveness and rest in you, that you may renew our minds and your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll invite you, if you're participating in communion, to go ahead and open those elements that we can participate in them together. On the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let's eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, in response to this table of God, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing and confess as his people. Teach us to know the surpassing love of Jesus Christ, our Lord, sharing in his suffering and rejoicing in the power of the resurrection, pressing on toward the goal to which you have called us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is
join together in this confession. That the kingdom might come, that the world might believe, that the powerful might stumble, that the hidden might be seen. Christ is coming to make all things new. That aggression may stop, that war would end, that peace will break out like a fountain, that pain and suffering would end. Christ is coming to make all things new. You may be seated. We're going to take a moment to hear from um, Mark and Alicia. <laughs> is Mark's on his way? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Alicia's going to come forward. This is, I, I had a miscommunication with them about time of church, so I apologize. <laughs> come on up, Alicia. This, and um, so just as a before as an announcement, you'll see in the front of your order um, that Mark and Alicia and their family have been serving in uh, the Netherlands for a number of years. And they're going to share that they're back now, but we're very thankful uh, to see them. Uh, Mark and Alicia were part of the church when it first began in 2009, and they are the first missionaries that we were able to send out as a congregation, and so we're very thankful for their work, and uh, maybe that's him right there. <laughs> but, uh, I'll give you a chance to share, yeah. Well, good morning. It's great to, to be here with you. Um, Mark, come on up. <laughs> so, no, that's fine. Um, we thought we were a few minutes early, and he just needed to find parking, and then no one else was walking in. So anyway, we're, but we, we made it for the end. But um, so just, yeah, my husband Mark, and my name is Alicia, and I think we're familiar faces here. So it's great to be with you this morning. And um, we um, have now moved back uh, to uh, the United States, having concluded... Um, Let's see, how many years of service? Now I'm not, not ten, even thinking. Ten, ten, yeah, it was ten this summer. So um, Michaela, we can keep track of it by Michaela's, kind of like Michaela's age because she was born right after we got there. So we have a son, Henry, 11, and Michaela now um, nine. And so while we were there, people were trained uh, to be able to go back to their countries and serve and to serve as missionaries, uh, also Bible studies of, uh, that included some Dutch women in the neighborhood, so both Tyndale women and Dutch women, so people uh, from the Netherlands also were impacted uh, by the time there. So we are so grateful for the support of this church and, um, and just felt uh, we, it was on our heart to be part of taking care of Mark's mom in particular. That was one of the driving factors for coming back, and the Lord provided first a job for me as a teacher, and now Mark has just accepted a new position. So, um, so we are have trans fully transitioned back as a as a family. So I'll let Mark, well, kind of, sort of in the process. Yeah. <laughs> Except for time changes. Well, good morning. Um, we are sorry that we're. Uh, I thought we were early, actually. Um, but I'm looking around and I see some faces around here still who are at Covenant back in the spring and the summer of 09 and we were going through things. I still remember a, a very fondly a very young pastor with no gray hair, um, 34 years old. Uh, he picked me up and we, uh, well, two things happened. He, he interviewed me or interviewed me. He talked to me over in Lincoln Square. We were having a, a coffee. He says, you know, we're going to do this church plant um, up in Lincoln Square. And we had lived, I had lived in Andersonville for 20 years. And he's like, 
He's like, are you interested? Are you think? I said, oh, Chad, don't worry about it. Next week, I'm flying to Bolivia. I think I'm going to get eventually married to this person, but we're coming. We've already talked about it, and we went through the spring and the summer training, and then a group of us moved up to um, the church and started up here. And I look around, and I still see some of you. Uh, we're all a little bit grayer. Um, I'm a lot grayer, um, <clears throat> but uh, very thankful for your consistent service um, and uh, to us, reaching out to us, being able to come back. And um, it's, it's been a great, uh, yeah, like I said, I just, I will finish officially on uh, April 2nd will be my last day. And by God's grace, this past week, we accepted a position. I'll be working with a group called Administer Justice, which is based out of Elgin. And so some of you will probably be getting phone calls from me. I'll be annoying you a bit sometime this summer, probably. We do have some prayer requests. Um, my mother is 92 and a half. And uh, so I will be going down to see her and pick her up from Florida in about a week and a half, two weeks. Um, and so there's a whole transition situation there. We were blessed. We sold our home, uh, which was out of state. We both have work. Um, our kids are great, doing really well at school here in the transition. But the move with mom will still be, um, she has her own condo. We're buying a house, hopefully, or renting a house long term. Um, and that will be a challenge. <clears throat> My mom was born nine days before the Great Depression. She was driving until two years ago. She is a person of very few doubts at this point in her life. And so we'll need a lot of prayer to have her move in with us. And she's comfortable conceptually, I think, with it, but it'll be different. So appreciate that. And just the transition for our children, because it's been a very, it's been the hardest on them, leaving people. So thank you. Yeah, I'm very thankful for Mark and Alicia, and uh, as you'll see, you can have a chance to talk to them after the service at our, our coffee time, but um, Mark served as president at Tyndale, and both of them practice hospitality and welcome, and Alicia is a mentor and teaching English in all sorts of ways to minister in Christ, and you know, many years of service and of sacrifices, and I, I, before I pray, I think it would just be good to express our appreciation to them for all the work they've done, so... Let's, let's uh, pray together. Lord, do you thank you for Mark and Alicia and uh, Henry and Michaela, and uh, thank you for the blessings that they are um, in our lives and in our church and how you've used them uh, overseas as well at Tyndale and then through that ministry all over the world. And so we, we give you thanks. Thank you for the fruitfulness of their work and for providing for them um, and bringing them back here safely and providing jobs and um, a stability with school and opportunities and so as Mark said, we pray for um, their care for his mom and just continued um, settling into home again here in the Chicago area. And so we pray for blessings on them. And we pray for Tyndale as well, that that ministry would continue to thrive and be fruitful, bringing laborers for all over uh, the, your nations, Lord. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So, right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I invite you to stand that we can sing the, the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings fall. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.
as we leave this place, receive this blessing from the Lord. May the love of God be with you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ rest deeply in you. And may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and God's people surround you. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.